Broadcasting live from the R&R Studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy. Presented by Tequila Embajador. Right back out to the Raider Nation listener line. Raider, Gangster Raiders on the line. How you doing, Gangster Raider? What's up, Coach Kennedy? I'm sitting here watching the replay of the um, Pittsburgh um, Buffalo game right now, and I'm seeing that their special teams is suspect, and I also think our defensive line they can eat just like they did against um, who do we play on Monday? Um, against Ravens. Baltimore. Yeah, yeah, we can we can eat just like they did against the Ravens if we um, the same way against Pittsburgh. The only concern I have because we need to run the ball. Um, against Pittsburgh is because um, of our line. If our line can hold up, even without Richie playing, and um, Jacobs can give us a, um, at least 80% of him, we should be able to run the ball down their throats and outscore them. Because if um, if our offense does what it's supposed to do, like we was doing in the second half, they, there's no way they should be able to outscore, especially if our defensive line is clicking and everything. And also I want to point out something you said yesterday, Vinny, when you asked me about Coach um, – um, the defensive line coach. He Marinelli. Did his job. Yeah, Marinelli. He did his job, and hopefully um, with the addition of um, the one that got hurt, um, Gerald McCoy, hopefully he can get in um, He can get in Cleveland's Pharrell ear and be like his whisperer and motivate him because if he can see how um, how Matt came out and got defensive player of the week for the AFC and with him in his ear, hopefully we get a motivated – back, I mean, Cleveland for real back, and that'll help bolster our defensive line. And if the running game is together in the offensive line, I see us um, beating them and starting off 2-0. and But only if the line can get better. I mean, not the line, the offensive line. And um, My coach, my, my other question is for Coach Kennedy. Do you think with the line being in the way it is and the, the mixing of parts, do you think that we can hold up? And, um, but also, um, Pittsburgh offensive line is suspect, too. That's why I think our defensive line can eat. Compared to the two um, defensive lines in the trenches, who you think has the edge realistically out of us in Pittsburgh, Coach Kennedy? Uh, well, thanks for the call, Gangster Raider. Um, who has the advantage versus defensive line over offensive line? Look, I've only I've only had a short sample size of Pittsburgh's offensive line play, but I knew it was something that they had to rebuild their offensive line, much like the Raiders did. Um, who has the advantage right now? I would say that the Steelers would have slight, a slight advantage based on two players that come to mind right now, Devin Bush at the middle linebacker and P.J. Watt. Just, just the overall performance and the impact players that those two guys are on that defense and how everyone else com- complements them, including the back safety of Mika, Mika Fitzpatrick. Um, but it's a slight edge. I, I, I do think there are holes and there are opportunities for our defensive front to create to get the Big Ben. He's not going to run away like Lamar Jackson. However, he's still difficult to bring down. He's six foot five, 260 pounds. You can't, and the way they protect the quarterback with the rules today, there's certain places you can't hit him or they're going to call penalties. So you got to be able to corral him, bring him down, and it's easier said than done. Plus the complement of receivers that he knows how to deal with. He knows how to throw people open. They know how to get themselves open. Uh, and they also want to run the ball. So they've got a big back in Najee Harris. So they're going to be balanced too, or try to be balanced. I think you can only take so much away from that first game against um, 
against the Bills, Vinny. Yeah. Um, mainly because when you against Raider had mentioned the other special teams, well, the special teams the one that got them a touchdown. I mean, that, that, that was the you know, kind of one that put them over the top. Other than that, they were kicking field goals. This is going to be a difficult game for a number of reasons. Very similar teams, similar circumstances with injuries and everything else. Um, it's going to be who, who's, who has the ability to make plays and who has the ability to generate turnovers. Yeah, and, you know, getting back to Cleve Farrell, uh, I don't necessarily think it's a, a case of, uh, well, actually taking it a step further, uh, Rod Marinelli. Uh, last year, Lincoln, this is my um, – you know, uh, this is this is this is where I fall on on Rod Marinelli last year, uh, and and I know that you know Raider tw- or Gangster Raiders brought up you know why was he brought back you know there there was some um, concern about that and that he wasn't as good as the previous guy um, I get all that but Lincoln you and I talked about this quite a bit last year. Rod Marinelli is a pro's pro. He's gonna he knows what the chain of command is, and it goes from the defensive coordinator down to the position coaches. He was a position coach. What you saw from that defensive line last year, A, was a product of talent, which I don't think there was a whole lot of, um, you know, compared to this year. I think there's much better uh, uh, players this year. And B, he was carrying out orders from Paul uh, Gunther, the defensive coordinator. So what we saw schematically and that sort of thing from the defensive line, I think was more what, you know, Paul Gunther was asking uh, Rod Marinelli to teach. Was there complete confidence in all that? I'm not going to sit here and say there was. I think that there is actually a breakdown between the, the the defensive coordinator and his assistant coaches and what got to, you know filtered down to the players. I don't think that's the case anymore, and I think that solves a huge problem. There's belief now in what Gus Bradley is doing from his assistant coaches that have to teach the players what the defensive coordinator wants them to do. So I think what you're seeing now is the product of, of better talent, but also uh, much more cohesion, Lincoln, between the defensive coordinator, his assistant coaches, and the message that's getting down to the players. I totally agree. I, I think in the process of information has come from having an offseason, you know, full offseason, having the mini camps, having the training camps, to where, you know, that's why it was absolutely essential to hire Gus Bradley early yeah. and then bring him in. And, and to get his focus and his, you know, his mindset straight. Look, last year, for what it's worth, was a disaster. I mean, they tried so many different ways to pick and pull. And, and the fact that, that Paul Gunther was a disaster in its own, uh, the, the, and no one knew what was going on. There was, there was no cohesiveness uh, amongst coaches, yet alone much defensive players. That's why it was a disaster. Um, Marinelli, as we already know, uh, John's uh, Gruden's affinity to Dallas Cowboy coaches and Dallas Cowboy players—it's there, it's present. It's, it's but he al- and he also <laughs> he also coached with them in Tampa. Bay. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, the familiarity is, goes a long way too. But now that there's a level of consistency, there's no doubt in my mind that Gus Bradley came in and said and talked to Coach Marinelli and said, "Look, this is what I want out of the defensive line. Right. This is what I need. I need those ends to press up, to press the pocket, to keep the quarterback contained, and I need to get internal push. Right. And we're going to have a defensive line that's going." rotate and that's why that, that defensive line room is so crowded that's why coming into the season what you had 12 or 11 guys on the depth chart yep and, and the defensive line i mean that's the reason why you did that you're going to have a rotation i want to keep them fresh i want to be able to alternate and rotate them in and out so when it comes to fourth quarter it's no longer advantage offense when you have to pass it's advantage defense right and uh you know going back to that conversation that i had with john gruden uh, a couple of weeks ago uh he said something that i, I don't know if i talked to you about this 
But that was really telling, and that was, you know, when you get a, a, a Gus Bradley and there's respect um, from the assistant coaches, especially the assistant coach, he brought his, basically his whole staff with him, and Rod Marinelli is a confidant of, uh, of, of Gus Bradley, so there's a relationship that goes and a trust factor that goes way back with those two. Uh, but the point being, what, what what John said was, look, you know, when when Gus Bradley puts in his signature coverage, um, you know, the first day of of install or when he's you know teaching it to the to the assistant coaches, you don't have a situation where the assistant coaches goes down you know goes downstairs rolling his eyes, going, "This isn't going to work," you know, like like there's belief from that assistant coach. That's what he told me, and he never brought up Paul Gunther or what was going on last year, but. Him just saying that, like, like you know, uh, eliminating the possibility that that was going to happen, kind of raises the possibility that that that's what was going, what was happening uh, last year, where maybe Paul, you know, was was trying to, you know, convey something, or this is what I want to do, and the assistant coaches are kind of rolling their eyes, going, "This isn't going to work," and now they got to go teach it to the players. Which, if that's the case, they're going to be teaching it half, you know what, right, uh, and not with a lot of belief and. As a player, Lincoln, you can tell when somebody believes in something or doesn't, uh, and and he's trying to coach you up on something that he doesn't even believe. It's a recipe for disaster, no doubt. Um, so I think that that's gotten rectified, um, uh, and, and and we'll see. So far, so good with the defense. Uh, now it's just something that they got to do more. You know, just consistently game in and game out. Uh, back out to the Raider Nation listener line. Rodney wants to talk about the Raiders. How you doing, Rodney? I'm doing fine. How are you, stuff? Good, yeah. man. So what quarter did Denzel Good go down in? Oh, man, it was... First quarter. Yeah, early. Exactly. Uh, okay. He came back, so, too. He did come back. He tried to come back. Tried yeah. to come back. And then he came back, and then he went back up, correct? Yeah. Yes. Okay, so the offensive line, what I've seen, did a decent job. Yep. Correct? Yeah. So now now whoever's filling in has a week of preparation and go. Very good point. Correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just stay points ahead of Pittsburgh, keep the crowd down, and let's go. Quick crying. Let's we have a we have a game to play. Just play, it. you know. Yeah, I I, I, <laughs> I mean you know uh, sometimes sometimes uh, it's better not to overthink things. Right? Exactly. Like, <laughs> sure, um, that's easy. But, yeah, there you go. But, but he, the point well taken. Uh, I do think the week of practice for whoever's going to be and you know uh, Richie wasn't out there today th- during the walkthrough, so we'll see you know where where he's at. But um, if they can get Richie uh, incognito back, and if not. You know, you ha- you have a full week of practice, quote unquote, uh, with Jermaine and with John Simpson, uh, the the two guards that finished the game and played, um, you know, the most of the of the guards uh, in that game on Monday. So you have a building block for those two to carry over now into this next game and a whole week of practice uh, to back that up and and solidify it even more. So. You know, point taken, uh, Lincoln. This offensive line should be a little bit better off, even with that injury to Denzel Good, uh, because they have a little bit of, of playing experience together and now a week to practice and prepare. Should be. Yeah. But, again, we're, we're, we're still talking about pieces. I mean, I, you know, I had that injury report and what did I do with it? Uh, let me look at this. Who are you again. looking for? I got I, it right here. I just, you know what? I just wanted to see the 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 the, the players that were. The, you said seventeen players, right? Yep. Yeah. So my thing is this: is that when you go out to practice, there's a certain uh, there's a certain rhythm and routine that you're supposed to have. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we now know that for some time, Richie Incognito has not participated in practice. So John Simpson's been taking the left guard snaps. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now with Denzel Good going down, you know, you've got Jermaine who's going to take the right guard snaps. 
until you find uh, who – I mean, and they just recently signed uh, the guy from Seattle, right? He used to play for Seattle, offensive lineman. Didn't they sign somebody today, Vinny? Uh, yeah, uh, Jordan, Sim- Jordan yeah. Simpson, I think. Yeah, is that is – that, okay. So – um, and le- they got Lester Cotton, so they've got people who who are familiar with the system, right? Just, and they 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 pulled them up, so th- so they're working them in. The problem is, is that when you have when you go from typically supposed to be a um, a, a a a normal Wednesday practice, if you will, um, to a walkthrough, right? Now you've got guys who don't really get into that lather, don't really get into that rhythm of creating that 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 sort of routine. You got to back away from it. Not to say that it can't be done, but it's early in the season. So, you know, Andre James, who, who had um, a little bit of an elbow issue, and he went through full practice today, you know, is going to be coached up by Coach Cable about what he did and what he did wrong. Let's see what it is, and let's see what the Ravens might – not the Ravens, the Steelers might do to duplicate what the Ravens did. Totally different defense. I know it's a 4-3 versus a 3-4, totally different. But um, Andre's going to have his hands full. Because he's got a he's got a man of a beast over him playing over him uh, in Pittsburgh. So this is a good defense. It's something that you need to take notice of. I say that to say this, you know, practice is important, but obviously getting healthy is more important. So when we talk about we we use the word in last segments about load management and stuff like that, it might very well be you might have to wait a decision depending on the health of Josh Jacobs. Do I sit you down totally and bring two other backs up? because I'm fearful that foot might get worse and I'd lose you for the rest of the season or sometime during the season? Or do I press the issue because I know you're my best running back? Questions, 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 and, and you know, uh, and not, an easy, not easy answers uh, at all. Um, but, you know, um, and uh, getting back to what piggybacking uh, on what you said as well with the film, I think that film is critical. Uh, you finally, for Rodney and for Alex and guys, um, you know, that, that young offensive line and Jermaine as well, um, you have a body of work now to go back to and dissect and look at and teach from and learn from and adjust to and figure out what you did well and what you not didn't didn't do so well. They haven't had that for yeah. months now. Yeah. Um, and, and that's such a valuable piece of information, even though you're not dwelling on that game and you're looking ahead. Uh, but there's a lot to take from that one body of work uh, game film uh, and, and try to grow and, and learn from. And so and those adjustments from week one to week two, you see it at all levels of football. Uh, this is it's really such an interesting week for me, that week, that second week where all of a sudden now there's film. Uh, the Raiders are looking at film of Pittsburgh. It's no more going up against the Baltimore Ravens and looking at the 2020 version of the Baltimore Ravens and trying to figure something out based on what they've done in the past with a bunch of different players uh, at playing a diff- uh, you know, a lot of the positions. Now you know what the Pittsburgh Steelers are doing, uh, who's where, uh, how it all kind of fits. Yeah. So it's important from that perspective uh, as well. So a lot of chess, piece, chess moves that are being made now in preparation f- to, to face an opponent that you have a little bit of data on, including yourself. Yeah. Uh, and I think that that's so important, having that you know, knowledge of yourself uh, and, and being able to watch yourself uh, uh, play a little bit on, on tape. We're going to go back out to the Raider Nation listener line. Ralph wants to talk about the Raiders. How you doing, Ralph? How you doing? Good, man. I had a question. Uh, I'm Ralph from Los Angeles. I was at the game this, this uh, Monday. But my question is, is, is with, like, about Carr, uh-huh. you think it's, uh, is a confidence issue with the line or is it with the receivers why he just checked the ball down so much he – and don't ever let the play seem like it develops. And, like, several times I would watch you could see rugs and Edwards come open and, like, he just go to Waller or he just not comfortable, like, trusting the line. Like, like he, he he dumps the ball off before the play really develops a lot of times. 
I didn't really see too much of that uh, on, on, on Monday, uh, Lincoln. What I saw was him kind of forcing it a little bit uh, to, 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 to Darren Waller. And as, as, as Derek told us today, I mean, you could almost justify throwing. He's kind of joking, exaggerating a little bit. But when you think about it, as good a player as Darren Waller is, you could almost make a justification for throwing it to him 30 damn times a game because he's that good. And, and, and so I, I, I don't think that it's healthy to always look his way. Uh, but, you know, if you're trying to get off to a fast start, you're going to try to go to your best player and best playmaker and, and get him the ball and see what he could do to try to get you off to the fast start. Now, it balanced out. And rightfully so, and I think importantly so uh, for the Raiders. But I didn't really see too much dumping uh, or, or anything like that. Lincoln, you talked about him getting the ball out. Drew Brees always got the ball out quickly. He, nobody wants to get hit. And I don't think it's a, a fear factor or um, he doesn't trust the offensive line. I think that's just how it's wired and how he plays. And that is to make a quick read and get the ball to the the open receiver or the best matchup, and let's go play another play. I mean, I, I see a lot of quarterbacks that do that now. And on top of all that, Lincoln, he also sat in the pocket uh, and made some throws, some deep throws uh, to whether you're talking about you know Henry Ruggs a little bit later on in the game, some deeper throws to Henry to uh, Darren Waller, and certainly to Brian Edwards as well. Well, first of all, thanks for the call. Secondly, yeah. you know we are all creatures of habits. Uh, and Derek Carr is no different than that. His habit has always been that when he sees a, either single coverage with a h- single high safety, a man-on-man coverage with a single high safety, and Darren Waller is either out to the wing or, or wherever, or he feels that he's single, he's going to try to go the ball to him. That's been his MO yeah. over the last couple of years. Right. Had some success and, you know, had, had, had very limited failures, if you will. But – you know, much to the point where – and Derek will never, ever come out and say, you know what, I really forced the ball too much. You're not going to get him to say that. Right. You know, like, you, like you said, he justified, well, you can make the argument, you can go to him. Yeah, yeah look, we all know what, the, what type of impact player Darren Waller is. And, and you and I, in discussing it yesterday's show, we, we both felt that, you know what, it, I, I like what you did, and I'm not trying to take anything away from that. However, it did seem forced at times, right. which we both agree. Yes. It was forced at times. Mm-hmm. There were times that Waller wasn't open, and he was still trying to go to him, right. trying to force the issue to him. And the timing wasn't always there. Right. So that's something that has to be worked on that can be collected throughout the season. What, uh, what, what I'm hoping for for Derek is that last year there were a number of teams – that did it, and the first one that comes to mind is New England. When they played New England at New England, Bill Belichick showed him man and dropped in the zone, right. which caused Derek to hold on to the ball. There were a lot of times he took some hits. Mm-hmm. He got sacked, or there was a couple times he threw some interceptions. The Ravens did very similar the other night. Now, the difference between the defenses and the Ravens, the Ravens were their, – their corners and their safeties were a lot more physical with the Raiders receivers, throwing off Darren, uh, Derek's timing. I say that to say this. Derek has a fast internal clock. Derek is not the type of guy who's going to run. He can use his legs, but he's not the guy who's going to prefer to run. He's going to prefer to get the ball, get rid of the ball. He's got a very fast internal clock, so there are times where he's going to get rid of that ball if Darren Waller is his primary receiver and he thinks he's got one-on-one coverage on Right, absolutely. And uh, Waller, I mean, he's a guy that it's 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 you got to break it uh, sometime because um, – He's just so good that you, you, you want to get him the ball. And the thing with Derek is he needs to trust Henry Ruggs. He needs to trust, you know, Brian Edwards a, a little bit more. And that's why I felt it was so important, Lincoln, that that evolved, that that started happening. It, it, it was later in the game, but 
there was some chemistry that was being developed between Brian Edwards and Derek Carr and Henry Ruggs and Derek Carr. And I think that's super important because it's going to make the whole operation a lot better, especially if you start going to those guys a little bit earlier now. Yes. Uh, you know, after after the way it evolved and, and happened and unfolded on Monday, because that's only going to help the matchups with Darren Waller. That's only going to help that. So uh, it, it balances uh, things out. Um, and, and I don't think you're going to see Derek. I, I, I just I don't think you're going to see that version of Derek where he's forcing it and forcing it and forcing it uh, to Darren Waller. I, think well, I hope that, not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's going to be a long day. For me yeah, <laughs> no doubt about it. You're in the huddle with Vinnie Monsignor and Lincoln Kennedy brought to you by Tequila Invader. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they had a couple of shots on him where they definitely got the one penalty on him and then should have had another one. And, I mean, teams, they have this thought in their head about everybody. You know, so with a guy that's like his size and in the slot, like, oh, maybe we just rough him up. Maybe I don't know what their plan was, but I'm sure – I could assume, you know, oh, maybe we'll get in his head. Maybe he still came back and made some plays. I mean, he don't care. He doesn't care about that stuff. I think you get to this point um, in your career. If you're still here, you don't, it doesn't really bother you, the, that part of the game, you know. And so it would be interesting to see what happens with that. But um, I know he's doing all right and uh, ready to play this week. That's Derek Carr uh, talking about some of the um, ex- extracurricular uh, activity that might have been going on. Uh, with the Ravens and Hunter Renfro. I know the Raiders, uh, you know, sent some some info to the league. Uh, I think they filed a complaint, actually, saying, hey, uh, they, they, they a little bit over the top uh, on what they were doing to Hunter, Hunter Renfro. I know for a fact they felt like there was a dirty hit uh, from, I think, Queen, uh, the linebacker, um, you know, on, on Hunter Renfro. So they, so they let it be known that they weren't happy about that. Um, I'll say this, though. You know, Hunter Renfro, yeah, you look at him and he looks like uh, a high school English teacher um, walking around. Uh, but I learned a long time ago, Lincoln, and I know you know this too. You can't judge uh, a book by its cover. You can't. There's just no way uh, that, that you can. Watch what happens on the field. That's the ultimate um, arbitrator and the ultimate uh, definition. Uh, that's, that's where you're going to get the ultimate definition. And if anyone thinks that they're going to be able to rough Hunter Renfro up or take him out of his game uh, by, you know, you know, trying to be physical, I don't think that Hunter Everett is going to fall into uh, any of that, that kind of a trap. No, I don't. I, in the years that he's been in the league, I, I've seen – I remember a couple of years ago in the New York Jets game where he took some hellacious hits. Um, Derek was not doing it to me favor by trying to get him the ball. But right. with that being said, there was a chemistry that was developed very early. The chemistry, in my opinion, was developed with Hunter Renfro before it was developed with Darren Waller. And I love every part of it. But now he needs to develop that same type of chemistry with Ruggs III as well as Brian Edwards. Because if you you think about it, the conglomerate of weapons that they possibly have. We've seen Foster Moreau through his time as a Raider come up with some clutch catches. That's a possibility. But... Not to be so focused. And even and even Derek finds himself in a little bit of a rut. He does the same thing with Hunter Renfro at times, where he's only looking for him, where he's trying to force the ball to him. But I will say this, and we've seen it firsthand in a number of teams they played, but especially this past week and Monday night, there are going to be defenses that are going to be physical with some of these receivers to try to take them out mentally. 
Hunter Renfro is mentally tough. He's not going anywhere. Darren Waller, in my opinion, is mentally tough. He's not going anywhere. But there are going to be some guys that might take some crack shots or some cheap shots, if you will, just to get them off the field. And you've got to find a way to play above that because that's what's, that's what's talking about being available. That's how being a pro is. Yeah, and I felt like there was a play where uh, they were being physical on Henry Ruggs and he fell. Uh, I felt yep. like Henry could do a – you know. Could have done a better job keeping on his feet, staying on his feet, and and you know getting through the route. But uh, they're gonna, and you have to just brace for that, and and that comes you know with, with experience. experience. Yep. You know you're 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 um, you're not necessarily uh, expecting it early on in your career. It didn't really happen in college necessarily, but in the pros, they're gonna let you know like, hey man, uh, it ain't gonna be easy, and we're gonna you know get away with everything that we can. Uh, to try to take you out of your game, and and whether it's mentally, physically, whatever the case might be, and it's up to you to rise to that challenge. Hunter Renfro does. I thought that you know uh, Henry beyond that one play uh, was 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 okay. I, somebody had brought up, I think it was Lewis Riddick, where there was a, pl- a pass that was thrown behind Henry Ruggs, and the initial reaction was to blame Derek Carr, but as it turns out, at least l- l- listening to to Lewis Riddick, I believe uh, broke it down was it was a zone look by the Baltimore Ravens, and uh, Henry Ruggs didn't adjust his route accordingly uh, to sit in the zone, and Derek was throwing the ball to him where he felt like he should have been sitting. Um, Henry was running a, a man route, uh, and so if, you, if, 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 if Lewis Riddick is correct, then you know that was a uh, a misread by, by the receiver, not the Well, quarter. that's going to happen. That's yeah. going to happen. But at the same point, that's why you need snaps. I mean, you you got to have snaps and you got to have timing. Look, every every receiver I've ever come across runs a deep dig in route differently. They they all run it differently, and and there's never and a quarterback has to be make a crossing route. Every receiver I've seen is running. Receivers run things differently. No one runs it the same. You might be taught that this route is run up 10 yards and then you cut in five. It doesn't work always that way. Your timing is thrown off, and especially if you've got bump and run coverage. And Henry Ruggs especially has got to learn that with his speed. No corner in their right mind is going to give him a free release off the line. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I know exactly. Exactly. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna make sure that they're gonna body him up and bump yep. him. You know, and and again, it's also on Henry Ruggs and everybody else, all those wide receivers, to fight through it and yep. and make themselves available. Uh, you know, we do sometimes make a, uh, a a big deal of, or you know, sometimes. Like you always say, the quarterback gets all the blame, all the credit, mm-hmm. whatever. You know, um, you know. Hey, get Henry Ruggs involved. Get Brian Edwards involved. Well, sometimes the wide receivers have to do their job to be available, to right. be open, uh, to be where they're supposed to be. So, um, you know, uh, it, it's 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 a 50-50 proposition. But that's why I felt like um, what I, I think it was it was it goes back to that 50-50 that I'm talking about. It was it was Derek Carr. Uh, doing better job of of looking in their direction, and those two players doing a better job of getting open. Um, and I think that it, it worked out in the end, and it was something to build on. And Lincoln, we've talked about it. It's critical that those two guys get involved in a bigger way. No doubt about it. It is critical, and it's critical. But it's also critical that Derek finds them. He has to he has to make them a part of his of of his, of his if you will um, his his progression. He can't be so focused on trying to take advantage of a one-on-one matchup with Waller that he doesn't see that there's a safety sitting over top or waiting for him to make a mistake. And, and more importantly, you can't be so focused to get rid of the ball that you can't allow the progression, the route progression to, to establish itself. Because what ends up happening, Vinny, is you end up getting frustrated receivers. 
and, and I saw Henry Ruggs throw his hands up in the air after one play when he was wide open. I saw Zay Jones want to get off the sidelines uh, before he you know closed out the game winner because he made a play and then they pulled him over, pulled him off, uh, and he wanted to go back out there and play. And th- that sense of frustration will set in. And it can – look, there's only one football. So the quarterback has got to find a way of managing that. But there are times where you can, like, you can pacify the guys by, hey, um, like he did with uh, Henry Ruggs last year in Kansas City game when Ruggs asked him, you know, did, he went up and asked Eric, do you trust me? And he's like, yes, I trust you. Well, there we go. We're going to make it happen. That 50-50 ball he threw up turned out to be a big touchdown, uh, a big play for him. And then later he had the 72-yard uh, touchdown uh, that, that was a big play to help close the game. So there's, there's building trust and chemistry that comes over time. There's no doubt about it. But you've got to at least make it, make it uh, possible, a possibility that that is going to work for you. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, the, it, it, the best situations uh, in these types of situations is – it, it happens organically. It can't be forced. And that's why, you know, um, talking about what, you know, I, it, it makes all the sense in the world that you want to go to Darren Waller, you know, as many times as you can because he does devastating things with the ball in his hands and makes people pay and is just a tremendous football player. It makes all the sense in the world. But forcing it, as we saw uh, on Monday, uh, comes, you know, with, with a bit of a price sometimes. That's why even that has to happen organically, um, just as it does. And I felt like it, it started to become that with Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards. And I'll say this. There are some times, I would imagine, in a football game uh, where you're going to try to force it to your best guy. Like you, when you need to have a play, when you have to get a first down, when you need to have it, uh, you're going to go to your best player. And probably uh, rightfully so. Well, I mean, Derek has shown in the past when it's been a critical third down, who's he going after? He's going after Renfro. Right? Yeah, in critical third downs situation, he's going more times than not. He's going after Renfro. He's, he's shown that. Those are tendencies that you've got to somehow break. Because if I'm able to call it out as a broadcaster, you can imagine what the film studying defensive clients are going to call out. Right. You know what I mean? And more importantly, last week in the Ravens game, the Ravens came in knowing what type of impact player Waller was. And they wanted to take him away from early, take him out of the scenario early. So you were watching the Monday night TV copy. You can go back and they'll show you illustrations where they were bracketing, they were doubling, they were going to make sure they had a safety under top, over the top and they were going to have a linebacker underneath to rough him up if he was on the line. Explain to the listeners what bracketing is. Bracketing coverage is basically you're doubling him. You're going to keep a safety up high. You're going to keep someone underneath. So what happens is uh, a lot of times, depending on the athleticism of the underneath player, if it's a corner, then will, they'll play what they call a trail technique, where the corner will turn around and he'll he'll follow. He'll like he'll try to mirror the player, the receiver. Okay. Does that make sense? Yep, absolutely. And so he'll turn his back to the quarterback, and he'll do he'll run the route like the receiver's running a route, just to be that hindrance, just to be that barrier. There's a safety over top that's reading the eyes of the quarterback. So if that player runs deep and he's reading, the, he's reading the eyes of the quarterback, the trailer is reading the eyes of the player, that's how you bracket somebody. And there's other ways that you can do it as well, but most of the time that's the technique. Now what the Ravens were doing with Patrick Queen is Patrick Queen was the underneath guy, but he was following Derek's eyes, especially on Waller's crossing routes. So if they were to release, if they would try to bang him up on the line with the linebacker or corner and release him, then now all of a sudden the underneath player was following Derek's eyes and the safety was following the player. Right, exactly. And, uh, you know, it, you know, some of this also, Lincoln, and this goes back to, um, you know, uh, what you've said about the preseason, you know, um, and, and 
it was bound to have this is what I okay I'll, I'll put it this way I'm kind of rambling here but you know yes the preseason there's merit in the preseason and I think we saw uh, what can get taken away when you don't utilize the preseason and I think it took the Raiders a little while to get it going offensively my argument was I guess look if it has to take the first half uh, or even a first game to to kind of get into rhythm to work yourself into rhythm I'd rather it I'd rather go down that road than um, put important players like Derek Carr and Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards and Darren Waller out there in the preseason in meaningless games. Even if it take, it's going to cost a half or a quarter for, for things to kind of get rolling, that's the trade-off that I'd be willing to make. Yeah, but we're fortunate to have won the game. You see what I'm saying? No doubt. So, so I mean, I hear your point and I understand what you're getting at, but what if it was the other? What if what if he lost? Now, would we, would we be still saving that same argument? What if what if some of those passes that were the timing was off, where it would seem to be just a little bit behind the receiver, they were all interceptions, and the game was the game was one sided, a blowout. Right. Would we still having that conversation? Would we still be thinking, well, no, we probably have a different attitude. Well, look, Derek seemed off. And, and, and I would have probably wanted him to see some preseason action, some full-speed action, so he could see how teams were going to bracket Darren Waller. Or he could see teams, how, how physical they were going to play guys like uh, Ruggs and, and, and Brian Edwards. That's also assuming that they would have done that. They would have true, shown that. True, true. You're absolutely right. I mean, you, you don't know until you're in the situation. And I've been on teams when it's in preseason that have been completely vanilla on both sides of the ball, just trying to get through it. Right. And I've been through teams that, who have game planned. Preseason, you never know what you're going to get until you get in it. But the thing about the thing about Monday night that's most important is they they've seen they've got a little bit of a, a glimpse of how teams are going to try to take Darren Waller out. That's really the only way that you can do it. And if you take a page out of the Kansas City Chiefs book, which I can't stand because I hate the damn Chiefs, <laughs> but if you take a page out of their book, when someone tries to take away Travis Kelsey, who does he go to? Tyreek. Exactly. Uh- and when somebody tries to take care, take out Tyreek, who does he go to? He's got Hardman. He's got other people that they go to that they use. And, and now, right now, what you have with the Kansas City Chiefs, most notably, is you have what we call route combinations, smash route combinations with the tight end and, and Travis and, 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 um, and, and uh, goodness gracious, the other receiver, number 10, uh, over the top. When he takes the top off the defense, you've got Kelsey coming over in the places that are vacated. Absolutely, and you, you know, see what I'm saying? And, uh, no question about it. And uh, I could, I could, I could just see Darren Waller right now. Uh, if he were to join this conversation, you know, he would say to us, Lincoln, "Hey guys, I had ten catches, 105 yards, and a no, touchdown. Sh- no it doubt. all worked. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. But he was targeted 19 times. I know. No what doubt. if, what if nine out of those nine or nine, nine uh, incompletions? What if they were five interceptions? That would not have been good. Exactly. That wouldn't have been good. <laughs> At all. And I think that, you know, here's my thing. I think he's going to continue to get those eight, nine catches, uh, but it might not be on 20 targets. You know? Uh, yeah. And that, that's the better world uh, that the Raiders want to strive for. And along the way, you know, Henry Ruggs gets five to six, you know, catches. I'd like to see him also be incorporated maybe in the run game a little bit with a with some fly sweeps or a, a, a screen pass, uh, right. you know, concept. Right. And then, you know, you've got Brian Edwards and you're, you're getting him, you know, six, seven catches uh, a game or touches or looks, uh, targets a, a, a game. And then, of course, you got Hunter Renfro still. So uh, there's there's 
and that's why, again, I keep going back to this. It was so important for it to play out the way it did, where all of a sudden Brian Edwards is the guy. Every time, 89 again, 89 again, 89 again. Wow, 89's coming to life. Perfect way for that game to, to evolve carrying into the next week and the week after that and the week after that, uh, Henry Ruggs as well. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador, Radio Nation Radio, 920 AM. No one gets you closer to the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy. Um, You know, I think that kind of comes, you know, that starts with my dad, um, the way I was raised. He was my coach when I was a little kid um, and my peewee teams, and he just... One thing he taught me when I was a kid, like don't be, you know, don't be all bark and no bite. Like that's that's been one of my that's like the biggest my biggest pet peeve. Like that's one thing I can't stand is like people who consistently talk about it and talk about it, but when it really it's time to go and time to shine, like you're quiet and you're not, you know, doing what you're saying you, you normally do. So for me it's like I wanna go out there and show everybody, listen, this is what I'm about. It's you know, it starts it's not just on the field, it's in the weight room and meetings and everything. Like that's what I try to do every single day, show up and be the first guy in the building, you know, first guy, you know, doing extra after workouts, doing all. So everybody sees what I'm doing. They know I'm putting in the work. I want them to see that every single day, because if I'm going to say something in a game, they're going to, you know, they're going to have more respect for me. If, if I'm a guy who's late every day and showing up and bullshitting and not going full speed in practice and then on game day, I'm the big loud guy and talking like they're going to be like, I don't care what he has to say. So. For me, it's all about putting in the work ahead of time and, you know, continue to do it on the field and work. I'll work everybody, and, you know, that's how, that's how it was. You know, my dad's taught me that since I was a little kid. Like, don't be, don't be that guy who talks and doesn't, doesn't have any action behind it. That's Max Crosby uh, talking about um, when you lead, especially vocally, Lincoln, um, you better put the work in and you better let people see that work. Um, otherwise, they're going to be, where were you on Monday? You're over here shouting and yelling and screaming on, on Sunday, trying to get me all fired up. But I didn't see you out there Tuesday. I didn't see you out there Wednesday. I saw you uh, eating a sandwich when we were in the weight room. You're going to get called out on that. So it has to be a combination, Lincoln, of actions and words. Uh, otherwise, it's in one ear, out the other. Nobody can take it seriously. I've always believed that leaders are not born, they're made. And there are different ways of leadering to be a leader. Um, leadering, I like that. Uh, yeah, a I new know, word. I just, yeah, exactly. I'm creating words as we go along. I like that's it. The great thing about our show, <laughs> um, there, you know, there's there are different ways of doing it. Some people do it through voice. Some people do it through for actions. Some people do it through both. In this case, and I can respect that and I can appreciate that because what we've seen, and it's only one game sample size, but what we've seen from Max Crosby is after after having a tremendous breakout rookie year. Way past anyone's expectations, I think, and it's not. I'm not speaking out the side of my neck. I think it's fair to say, especially coming out of you know Eastern Michigan and stuff like that. Um, way past surpassing people's expectations to have the type of rookie year he did and a subpar year, if you will, because if that set the standard rookie, that's what you were expecting his following year to see him come out in game one, the type of energy he exude, to be the defensive player of the week. To, I mean, very impressive. Especially when you take in consideration, I mean, looking at the, I'm looking at excerpts right now during our breaks of what T.J. Watt did uh, in, in the Buffalo game. <laughs> I mean, he, he, there were, he had like a couple sacks, calls a, uh, got a couple sacks, and had calls a, a you know, fumble uh, that, that the, the Steelers picked up. So instances like that, leading by example is the way to do it. 
And I can appreciate and respect Max Crosby for going out because he not only walks the walk if when he has to, but he doesn't. He's not really a trash talker, but he also talks the talk. And I can honestly tell you, Vinny, that when I played, I could not stand trash talkers. Any trash talker I ever crossed paths with, I tried to beat the snot out of them for four quarters. <laughs> yeah, uh, they'll get under your skin. <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> um, and and you know, word to the word, word to the wise, don't get under the skin of somebody like a Lincoln Kennedy. Who's well, I'm just, just saying. I, we've you know had what I'm saying? Instances, yeah. <laughs> um, but, and, I, and I'll say this, you, you brought up a good point about Max, about how running around, um, you know, uh, bringing the energy, bringing the passion you saw, uh, you know, him carry himself that way uh, in the game. I'm being straight up, Lincoln, straight up. We've been seeing it every single day, going back to OTAs. I'm not exaggerating, not even by a little bit. I've been telling people. I saw him. I, I told you I saw him, ran into him at that at that camp, the Von Miller camp, and told him, man, I, I'm, I'm hearing you. I'm seeing you out at practice. That was during OTAs. It carried right. over to training camp. Like, this is no yeah. joke. This is him now. And it's a big difference than what it was. And... Uh, I get, again give him a lot of credit for what he did off the field to get you know part of his life in order. What he's been doing on the field, living at the facility, working out, doing everything that you need to do uh, to take his game to another level. And well, I mean, I had a little bit of a caveat on top of that, you know, a cherry, if you will. I I had a chance to talk to him this off season when he came to Phoenix with Damon Arnett. They did an autograph signing. I remember, and that. I yep. and I just wanted to go. I I didn't have any 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 part of the signing itself. I just wanted to go out because I wanted to see how the young guys act when right. they're away from the nest. That's that's what it, just as a, just as a former alumni, just yep. you know, chilling. That's all I did. And I had a chance to talk to Max, and at that time, he was already chomping at the bit. He was just like, "I'm so ready. I just can't wait for the season. I can't wait to get back out there. I I just want to." You know, I want to play. I want to be a, a factor, a difference maker for this team. And I can see it in his eyes. And and then on top of that, to compliment what you said and what I heard Gruden talking about him and, and his whole offseason and his work ethic, I mean, that's why I said earlier in the show, I'm hoping that Cleveland Farrell can match that. Yeah. To show some part of that. You know what I mean? Right, right, absolutely. And um, I, I would imagine that, you know, and I, and I was watching Clee during the game. I don't know if you get a chance to – to look at him down the sidelines, uh, but he was there. Uh, yeah. He wasn't dressed out, obviously. He was inactive. Um, but I was watching him, and he was completely engaged. He was cheering everybody on. He Good. was right by the coaches. So, I, you know, because I'm wondering, all right, is he going to be upset because he didn't dress out? That's why I still also think I think it was a little bit more physical than, uh, than, than anything else. It's hard for me to believe that they were only going to dress out three defensive ends for that game. That didn't quite make a lot of sense, I think. Uh, and everyone was he a healthy scratch? Was it an injury? If it was an injury, why wasn't it reported? Well, he was on the injury report all the way up to Friday. Then he got taken off. But that doesn't preclude something like, what if he what if he strained it right before the game, Lincoln? I mean, or not right before the game? Well, I mean, you think about what who they started. So they had Ngakwe, Nassib, Hankins, Phylon, Jefferson, Thomas, McCoy, Crosby. One, two, th- one, four, six, eight. Say defensive lineman. I mean, look on a forty, what a forty-three man, a forty-eight man roster. There's only so many pieces that you can contribute right. to the defensive line. You need pieces elsewhere, right? And you know that he, you knew that Gus was going to have to have a dime uh, package involved. So you, that's another DB. So I mean, when it comes down to people talking about healthy scratches or who's in the lineup and who's on IR, I mean, or and, you know who's not in uh, going banged in, up, right? and banged up on uh, in, in, in active list. There's a numbers game you have to play. 
You know, you, you, there, there, it's no, there's no way out of it. They had to have four linemen suited up. Yep. KJ Wright. I mean, do the math. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what's conspicuous about it, uh, and you know, is he was the fourth pick of the draft yeah. a couple of years. I know. Ago. I get it. So people, I get it. people are going to harp on that uh, without question. But I think he's obviously going to play. I think on Sunday, um, the numbers game with Gerald McCoy uh, that that creates a, a, a spot, and and we'll see how it all plays out. I want to say thanks to all our callers. Uh, Lincoln Kennedy, thank you so much. We'll be back at it tomorrow, uh, 4 to 6 p.m. in the huddle. Thanks to Devon Cotton, of course, in the huddle. Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. Brought to you by Tequila and Bajador.